0: Hello everyone I'm Doug Brown. I am the high school pastor, and you got to see some of my lovely high school students and I'm so proud of them that they're in Costa Rica and in Albania. continue to pray for them and they are and their trips. Um, I'm so honored to be with you on Father's Day. I too, believe it or not, have a father. he's sitting somewhere over there. His name is Dave Brown. Happy Father's Day, Dad. Look, I made it. Um, <laughs> um, this morning we are talking about First John. We are continuing our series in the letter that he wrote. We've looked at the supremacy of the Word of God and how important it is. Last week we talked about salvation. This morning we turn our focus to Christian living. We look at how do we live and how is John calling people to live the Christian life. What is it that we need to be doing? What is it the things we need to watch out for? What is the point of what we're doing? And to do so, I want to bring out a reality, a truth. Something that we all can grab onto to help us understand the beginning parts of this letter to 1 John. If you have your Bible, open it up to 1 John. We're in 1 John chapter 2. So just be there. Get comfortable with that area of the Bible. Um, And as we do, I'm going to tell you a story. It's a crazy story, um, but it'll help us understand what's going on here. I was a high school student once. Can you believe it? I was about the same height, but like 75 pounds. Very scrawny. And I, in high school, was a fan of music, right? I grew up in the 90s, and in the 90s, Christian music was the best. There was Christian ska music. Does anyone know what Christian ska music is at all? Anyone? Yeah? Okay, some of you? Three. Perfect. We were at the same concerts. Christian, it was, you know, brass instruments, and it was awesome. And then it moved into the Christian punk phase, right? Does anyone remember this? It was Christian punk rock bands. They had bands here on this stage, a band called Five Iron Frenzy. It was the coolest thing ever, and we would go, and we would rock out, and everyone had so much fun, and it was Christian, and it was awesome, and they were praying before their concerts. We loved it. Well, as we moved forward, and as we started to, you know, go along the progression of music, the whole world started to turn, right? And there's something that came along called Hardcore music. Does anyone even know what I'm talking about? Yes? Hardcore music, right? It was like as if they had taken their instruments, dipped them in like tar, and it was they were low, they sounded like growly, and they turned their amps all over the place to where it just sounded like... When they came on stage, it sounded like an explosion in like a metal factory, you know? And it was just loud and clanging and deep and bassy, and we loved it, right? We loved it. So then, obviously... Christian bands followed, right? We love this. This music is great, awesome. Well, we'll just play the most hardcore music ever, and we'll sing Christian lyrics. And I was a fan of this music, right? It was the next level of what we were doing. So as we were going along, I became a fan of this one particular band that was very, very hardcore. They were the scariest sounding band in the entire world. If you listened to them, people would think that you were like a weirdo or crazy, right? Because the guy would just scream like every, he was just screaming in the microphone and it was gnarly. So I became a fan, right? I didn't really listen to the music because how could you actually listen to that music? It's just frightening. But I was a fan. And one day they said, hey, this band is coming to town and they're going to play a show on Halloween at this place called The Chain Reaction. I'm like, Great, I'm there, I'm totally there. I'm a fan, and I think to myself, I don't really know any of their songs. I don't really listen to the music. It sounds kind of intimidating and scary, but let's go, because I'm a fan, right? We show up to the venue. There's people all around. It's like a bunch of bands playing on one night, because it's Halloween, and as we get there, there's a band up on stage. It's a guy with a guitar, and he's playing like Bob Dylan covers, and we're like, okay, cool, this is awesome. you know. And everyone is kind of enjoying themselves. There's lots of young girls in the front. Everyone's kind of listening and cheering and having so much fun. And then all of a sudden it's time for the band to change. And up comes this band. And they're all in dark clothing, black hooded sweatshirts. Keep in mind, totally Christian. I mean, they have like liberate yourself from hell written in, you know, liberate, liberated from hell in like Latin on their sweatshirts. And they have Bible verses, but just scary looking guys. And they come out all in black sweatshirts and they're loading up their thing. And then about that time... All of a sudden, we're in this venue. We all start to move forward because we know, okay, we've got to move forward, up, right? And then, like, as if black ink is just moving into the crowd, there's just people in hooded sweatshirts start coming forward because what is about to happen is about to be very different than what was happening. And the only thing that you got to hear before the band comes up on stage is the double bass from the drummer. And it's just... And it like rumbles your inside, right? And you're like, oh no, this is, this is going to be scary and frightening. And at that moment, the band comes out. The lights go down. There's still a few little girls waiting up there because they like the guy before him. And I'm thinking, you have no idea what's about to happen. This is going to get really bad. All of a sudden, lots of people are just up on stage and they're all wearing like combat boots. And I'm like, this is really scary. What's going to happen? This band is intense. And then at that moment... They start to play, but you can't fully understand unless you hear it. Okay, so I'm gonna play it. Please, don't judge me. Okay. They're singing Christian words. It was a phase of my life. The story continues. Hopefully, it doesn't hurt you. Play. Okay, the intro. They start singing best part <laughs> you got it. this is the music right it's just like what is happening it's Like I said, an explosion in a metal factory. And at that moment, when he turns around, he takes his shirt off, and he has a revolver shooting a flower that has a Bible verse on it. I think, I've made a huge mistake. And I look forward, and there's a man in combat boots running, and he steps on one of the little girl's faces. She goes down, and he runs. And I'm thinking, my face is next. And he just big boot to my face and then I land on the ground and I'm on the ground and all his feet stepping on me and I get pulled up and I'm thinking, oh, they've made a huge mistake. And then I elbow poof, to the face and I'm thinking, I, what am I doing here? I somehow get pulled to the back and now I'm standing here going, I am not a fan of that whatsoever whatever that is I want to go hear something else right and I came back and listen I realized I never listen to these guys I don't want to go to the concert I don't want to do anything that a fan would do to be part of this I'm not a fan I should stop calling myself a fan immediately and I don't listen to them anymore believe it or not some people are fans right you know Eric Wakeling you've all heard of him he's a fan of you too Eric does the things that a YouTube fan would do. He goes to the concerts. He does everything that he should do. Because when he says something, he follows through like a band. For me, here I am as a young high school student learning this lesson. I'm a fan. Totally. I'm on board. Well, do you want to go to a concert? Yeah. No, I realize I'm not a fan. I realize that the thing that I believed in and said that I was, I was not. And that's the beginning reality, Okay. That's the beginning. You all followed me on that so far? Now translate that to a lot of different things. I have a lot of hobbies in life. I bought a violin off of eBay because I thought I could play it. It was made, I think, at a toy store. And I, you know, (laughs) tried to play for a couple months and it just sounded like I was killing cats or something like that. Sorry, Mom and Dad. And I realized, I don't... what What I'm saying is not matching up with what I'm... Doing, right? What I believe is not matching up with what I'm doing. And this is easily transferable. And it's probably mostly seen, and to be perfectly honest, in what we say about God. It is mostly seen in our faith. What we say we believe about the afterlife, about God, about big questions in the world. We say a lot of things. We commit to a lot of things. And as we're saying them over here, the things that those beliefs would entail over here. We're not doing at all. And we're like me at that concert. I'm a fan. Totally. All of a sudden, the concert starts. I'm not a fan. And it plays itself out like this in my life. When I graduated high school, I was a part of Calvary Church. I loved Calvary Church. And as I graduated, I thought to myself, I am part of the community of believers. Community is a big deal to me. It's important to me. We should all be striving for community and be part of a system of faith. That's what I said, right? Can anyone guess what I did? I didn't go to church. (laughs) Anywhere. I had this brief time in my life where I was saying all of these things. Faith, community, awesome, love it, I'm in. Nothing, nothing. And the longer we do that, the longer we create disharmony between what we believe and what we do, one of them goes away. Either our belief fades, or the action that we say we have fades. And it's something that's happening over and over in our lives. And I want you even now to be thinking about ways that you've done this. Prayer is important. It is. We all should be praying. That's how we have a relationship and communicate with our Lord. It's the gift that we have to be in that. Awesome. Do you pray? No, no, no. Dave played a video of a furniture maker last week. Do you remember that? Um, we were all that person at a time. I was that person. Community, awesome. I love it. Well, have you ever done it? No, but I am. I'm part of the community. Really? What community? I don't know. And that, from that, from that we enter 1 John. That disharmony, that pulling back and forth. We believe this, but we don't do it. We say this, but we're not really going there. That's where we enter 1 John. And that's where the power of this comes in. Because in verse 1 John 2, verse 3, he says this. And it's the main truth of this. Whoops, I'll go back one. Even further. I apologize. In 1 John 2 3, by this we know him. I'm sorry, by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. The one who says, I have come to know him, and does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him the love of God has been truly perfected. By this we know that we are in him. The one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. This is what John's talking about. This is what's happening in John's church. I'm sure you're getting the picture by now that there are people who are leaving the church that John pastors. There are people who are starting to say, it doesn't really quite matter how you live anymore. Christ, he didn't even really live. He was more this mystical creature. And as long as we tune ourselves into that mystical way of living, it doesn't really matter what we do. And John comes along and says, no, may it never be. Never has it ever been that. If you believe in something, if you are in Christ, if you are with Him, that means you keep His commandments. Well, why would he say that? It's exactly what Jesus said. Go in your Bibles to John, it's up here, John 8.31. And John 8.31, it says this, Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed in him, If you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. Let me read it again. Just Jesus' words. If you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. Christ is calling us to abide in him. And what abiding in him means is it means that we would walk with him. We cannot at one point say, I abide in Christ. I am with him. I walk with him. Well, then are you keeping his commandments? Well, no. It's more of this kind of, you know, you agree to certain things, you've aligned yourself. It doesn't really look like anything. That's exactly what was happening in John's church. Gnostic teaching taking over. Well, there's the human self and then there's the spiritual self, and they're really they're separated. You kind of have dual dualism, right? You have dual lives. And Christ was really over-concerned with this. Don't worry about that. And John is saying, that is not what Christ called us to. That is not what I'm calling you to. And I want to say to you today, that is not what we are calling you to. Christianity, Christian living is more than just saying the right things. They are intrinsically connected. Does that make sense? And out of that, we have this. the commandment that we have, right, is to love one another. That's the commandment. Out of those commandments, when Christ says, you should do this, the commandment that we have is to love one another. We have to reconcile the two. Let me give you a, a bit of advice, right, and a bit of word from someone who's probably smarter than I am. I brought this message and I brought this topic To my philosophy professor, if you don't know much about me, I go to Talbot School of Theology and I study philosophy there. And I brought this to a moral philosopher named David Horner and I said, David Horner, help me understand what's going on here. It seems as if John is really stressing what we do and I don't want people to think, oh, as long as you do the right things, then you're saved. Yeah, absolutely, right? And I don't want them to think, oh, they can say the the right things but then not do the right things. What's going on in this passage? And David Horner gave me advice that I think is good for all of us. And it's this. It's that in the ancient times, the first century, Jesus, John, the early followers, the idea that you could ever disconnect belief, accepting a certain way of living, and not doing what that belief entailed, that never existed in their realm of thinking. They could not do that. If you know of philosophers called Socrates and Aristotle, they had things that would say, you know how we have bracelets that say, what would Jesus do? But honestly, before that, this is an honest way that they would help decide moral decisions. If you did not know what to do, they would say, if you don't know what to do, do what Socrates would do. If you're stuck in a decision, do what Socrates would do. Because if you were a Stoic philosopher, which means you kind of had a certain way of living, then if you believed in that, that entailed that you would live a certain way, right? Belief in this way of thinking means at the same time equal to living the way. So then you have Christ come along, right? And He says, I come to give you a new commandment. I have come from Yahweh, the God of all, above all gods. I am His Son. Come to bring you back to Myself. And I am here. And in Me, and in My commandments the commandment to love one another, you will find life. Never, ever did Jesus or his early followers think that you could agree to that and then not live it out. My professor said it was no consequence to them. It was no trouble for them to think that at the same time, following Christ would cost you nothing, and costs you everything. It's only in our modern day. It's only today, in our postmodern way of thinking that those two I can believe in this and man, not do it, right? We have brought that in. We can't read that into the scripture. That's what John's talking about. And to, and to move forward, what he's saying in this in, uh, go back to First John, and First John three verses seven, he says, this, "Beloved, I am not writing to you a new commandment." Are you there? Beloved, I am not writing a new commandment to you, but an old commandment, which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you have heard. On the other hand, I am writing a new commandment to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the light is already shining. The commandment to love is not not new. It is both old and new. When God came and revealed Himself to us, He revealed His Word. And in His Word we learned that we are to love the Lord our God. We are to love one another. That is supposed to be written on us. And then Christ reiterates it. Go back to John. In John. And this is an important part. In John 13. John thirteen thirty four. If you're thinking, okay, then the old commandment is the one to love. But Christ is also bringing us a new commandment. Well, what is that? In John 13, verse 34, he says this, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another." When the Word came to us, we learned that we should love the Lord our God because He has first loved us. The old commandment. And in the new commandment, Christ has made it anew. Loving one another, loving the Lord your God, living that kind of life is perfectly lived in Christ. So we are to be like Christ. We are to love like Christ. We are to have conviction like Christ had conviction. We are to believe the things that He believed. And chiefly among all of those, we are to love one another. By that, people will know us. The commandment's the same. It's renewed and it's personified in Christ. And to, and to flesh these two thoughts out, that faith requires action, and that the action that it requires is love, John continues and gives us an example. Go back to John. Sorry, I'm making you flip between the two. It's good for you. In 1 John 2, verse 9, it says this, The one who says he is in the light and yet hates his brother is in the darkness until now. The one who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling to him. But the one who hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. What John, When John, in a way, like, fleshes this out, he's saying, I have shown you that faith requires action and the action that it requires is love. Now, how can you then, after I tell you that, and I even look to us and say, after we know that and we hear that truth, how can we then say, I love you, Lord, and then leave and go and live a life in complete denial of Him? And among those denials, how can we say that we don't like each other? How can we hate one another? How can we not care for one another? The two require unity. I love you, Lord. Therefore, in every way, I show love to my brothers and sisters. I show love to you. I shall love to you. I give myself up for you. I give myself up for you. May I decrease and the Lord increase amongst us. How can you say this and not live this? It's the same thing that Paul writes about. In Ephesians, Paul talks about this. We see it over and over. This is a lot of the aim of the New Testament. In Ephesians 2, 8-10, through 10, he says this, "...for by grace you have been saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared before Him so that we would walk in them. We have to be comfortable with the tension. And if you would get anything out of this morning, let me put a little bit of healthy tension back into your life. The gift of Christ is free. Paul says it. It's a gift so that no one may boast. But out of that gift, out of gratitude for that, we live out the life and character of Christ. They require one another. You can't say, I've received the free gift of love. I have received Christ. And in my salvation is my root. And then out of that say, but I produce no fruit. Somehow in there, it just doesn't matter to me. They have to be connected, and I want you to connect them. And that that's, goes into my challenges for us. <clears throat> Out of this, I hope to provide some kind of <clears throat> healthy tension for you. Now, maybe we need to do a couple things. As believers, as just thinkers, and as people, the first one is this. Maybe you need to work at reconnecting your thoughts and your actions. <clears throat> we are a culture, <clears throat> I'm so sorry, we are a culture that says one thing and does another thing. We are a culture that is comfortable thinking a certain way and not acting that way. We believe that, we you know, all people are equal. Sometimes we don't act that way. Well, we believe that it's it's good to be respectful of everyone. Well, until you like start driving or something like that. Then you know, go into whatever you want. We believe this, we don't do that. As a people, we need to reconnect the two. That our words would have power. And that they would require conviction. And when it comes to faith, some of you are in this boat. You live a certain way on Sundays, you say a certain thing, and then out of it, nothing, nothing. Reconnect the two. Or maybe some of us even abuse the call, right? The call to obey. And we say, great, as long as I just do everything right, I'll obey everything awesomely, then I'll be saved. I'll just do the right thing and I'll be saved. That's never what was said. That's never how it worked. We shouldn't abuse that because the the, the obeying, the commandments that we are to be about are the ones to love. And the ones to love the Lord our God for our salvation. It's out of gratitude. It's the fruit. It's never the root of our, of our faith. Out of our salvation comes love. And the last one is this. I think a lot of us are in the middle. I'm, if there's a place that I think that I'm at, even in this, it's somewhere in the middle, where I say the things that I believe in, and I kind of do them. But at times, it's somewhere, not anywhere, right? And in this moment, I call us all to more. I call you and myself to more. That the things that we say truly are the things that we do. We're going through a series, right, where we talk about life and love and loving one another. Is that really what we do? if we preach that on Sunday and in this moment in this church now we look around and we think these are our brothers and sisters. We love one another. If that's true about us, if we believe that, I call you to more. I call you to love more extravagantly. I call you to sacrifice more, to talk to more people, to put yourself out there, to get to know people, to get into life with people. Because if we say it, I pray that we would mean it. Billy Graham used to always say, don't you dare come lightly to the throne of Jesus Christ. I think the same has to be true about us. And I, it's strong wording, but it's true. Don't you dare come to Calvary thinking that it doesn't require anything. Thinking that you can just sit here, go away, and not do anything. It requires something. It requires that you let the love of God save you and salvation wash over you and out of that, love one another and and have conviction and have purpose in life. Amen? Yes? How can we do... We can't do that. Let us not do that ever again. Let me give you a word picture to go away with and to think about, okay? The word picture is this. I have a lovely, awesome, beautiful wife. Her name is Jessie Brown. She's the daughter of Randy and Tammy Harris who work here. Uh, And she's awesome. And, And eight years ago... We got married eight years ago, right? And when we got married, Tim Nellis, who you all know, was the one who officiated our wedding, right? And it was wonderful. I was in a tuxedo, except I had this one piece of hair that was totally out and it drives me crazy. And then Jesse was in a beautiful white dress, and we were ready to go right over there in Sam's Chapel. And on that day, we loved each other. And out of our love and commitment to one another, what did we do? We, we got married, and we had covenants to one another. We came down, Jesse came down the aisle to that Forrest Gump song, which is awesome and makes me cry, and I stood there, and I said, Jesse, because of my love for you, I vowed to be with you forever, to love no one else, and to commit to you. And Tim did his thing, and he kind of cried a little bit, because it's Tim, and we love him, and, and it was beautiful. Now imagine this. Imagine Tim comes back a few years later. And he goes, I just want to check on you guys. How are you doing? And they go, good. We're about ready to move in together. You know, working on it. He goes, what? You haven't moved in? No, not quite. We talk. We text a ton. You know, it's great. We have a great texting relationship. And we see each other every once in a while. And I'm committed to her. I give her some money. We go on dates. He would punch me in the face and go, what are you doing? Did, did that mean nothing to you? Do you realize what you did on your wedding day? The co- covenants and commitments you made? And I was like, yes, but come on, it's difficult. It's hard. Have you ever moved? A U-Haul is like 70 bucks. And it's, you know, it's hard. It, it's absurd and it's laughable, right? Because when you come together, everyone knows this, when you come together at a wedding, and you say, I love you, I love you back, and I want to commit to you for the rest of my life, what happened? Everything changes. Everything changes from that moment on. Well, now I no longer live just for myself. I live with someone else. I'm dedicated to that person forever. And I cannot live any way else. And then for us, Christ loves us, comes down for us and says, I am here for you. And in my son, I will provide for you a new covenant. And out of my love for you, I will die for you. And because of the blood spilt there, which we celebrate in communion, we have a covenant. All you have to do is believe and put your faith in me. And then we do, so many of us do. Lord, I love you. I commit my life to you. Forever, Lord, be my God. I put you on the throne. And then it's, maybe it takes a message like this for someone to come back and goes, how's it going? And you go, good. I'll go to church twice a month. I mean, it's good. I mean, I pray, I think. I would say to you, what? You, the covenants that you made, what happened to them? Where are they? Don't you realize that making them means that you have to do something differently? Don't you realize that making those covenants means your life changes forever? Not a bad change, a joyful, amazing, life giving, love giving change. Why have we disconnected them? Let's stop right now. Let's reconnect them. Be part of our community, love one another. Show love to one another. Obey the commandments of God. And the commandments are to love. I even think of the church in Charleston, right? Has this horrific things happen. Not only to, to people, but to humanity. Horrible. And then they stand up and they, they offer forgiveness through tears. Not only do they say it. They live it. Let that be an example. Let them be an inspiration to live out the gospel. It's, what's, it's what Jesus called us to. It's what Paul called us to. It's what John is calling his church to. It's what I'm calling you to. It's what Dave is calling you to. It's what everyone is calling you to do. Let there be some tension. Not for salvation but for Christian living. Let's celebrate it now. We're going to sing a song called, in in, in the song, it says that I stand, I lift my arms to you. Lord, I love you. I give my heart to you. Don't just sing because you sing. Don't just read the words because you read the words. If you say it, mean it. If you say, Lord, I lift my arms, lift your arms. Lord, I give you my heart. Give him your heart. There isn't a more immediate way to practice what I just talked about than in this song. And do it. And come and take communion. And say, Lord, because of your covenants, I will live changed. Does that work? Let me pray first. God, thank you so much for this people, Lord. Thank you so much for the community in which I grew up in. The faithful, believing, loving community of Calvary Church, Lord. Thank you for them. I thank you for those who have gone before us, whose shoulders we stand upon now, Lord. And we preach and we teach about the ongoing love that you have for us. Lord, I pray that we feel in a healthy way convicted this morning. That not only can we say things, we do things, Lord. Let your love open up our lives. Let your love convict us of areas where we need to have conviction. God, we love you so much. I pray a blessing over these people. In your son's name we pray, amen.